We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get you your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash joy. Andy, can you hear me, my friend? Uh, just, uh, can I hear anything? I feel like I feel like I'm on a. Uh, I feel like you know when you're when you're uh, flying and you're like go, the you're going up turbulence. That's how I feel at all times. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like the, my jaw is wired shut. All right, let's let, let's back this up real quick before we get started here. Okay, <laughs> uh, one, the Warriors just had their first three game winning streak of the season. I thought the Warriors were going to be the first team of all time to never win three or lose three in a row. So first three-game winning streak might as well be the 96 Bulls. Warriors back. But more important, Andy Liu got his wisdom teeth pulled less than 12 hours ago, and he's trying to podcast right now. Like, this is 
the flu game on the next level. Andy, I appreciate you coming on. I know you can't stay the whole time because generally health and biology doesn't work that way. <laughs> but, uh, but my man, my man is trying to pod through it with having four wisdom teeth pulled in the last 12 hours. I, you know, the funny story, Sam, shouts to you because I texted you last night like, hey, Sam, I took tomorrow at work off, but do you think I could do like a 1 p.m. meeting? And you literally text me back like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's absolutely no chance. Literally got back home this morning and I woke up from a nap and my mouth is bleeding. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I would have made that. I don't think that would have made that meeting. But uh, I couldn't resist after watching the Warriors performance. Are you kidding me? Some of those things were some of those things where I think Draymond Green just conjuring up bullshit narratives to make himself play harder. Honestly, respect it. If that's what makes the Warriors, if that's what makes them play better, are you are you relating you potting after getting your wisdom teeth pulled to Draymond making up fake narratives about why he's washed to throw what he had? What he had? Oh, nineteen assists. Oh, you know he's mad he didn't get twenty. <laughs> Do you see him hunting that for like two minutes? Actually, you make a point that. Uh, that, that it's actually more accurate to say uh, he's clutch. Like, this is clutch. This is straight <laughs> up. The dude, the dude created a bullshit narrative that, I don't know, like, whatever. I'm surprised he didn't come out where I should have came on this podcast when a cat. Like, he just he just made some shit up. Now he's all angry at whatever, and he plays well. So, I, hey, I can't be mad, Sam. He played fantastic. Hey, whatever gets you going. Hey, now we got, uh, we got um, we go. an extra host here. We got Aaron Larsoul. Aaron, what's up, my man? Aaron, you there? Did I lose you? I threw you four jewels. Come on, man. <laughs> I, <threw four> jewels. <laughs> I don't know what these jewels are on the app. I'm going to be honest with you. They look like they're important. Uh, can I give them to people? Can people? Oh, look at that. Some people can applaud us. Like, oh, look, me and you have six. I got to get somebody's got to give me more. I got to get a. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Aaron gets ready, I can, I can, uh, we can keep going, Sam. While Aaron, gets yeah, ready. let's let's get your takes before. Um... Oh, Sam, do you see the? You guys, are you guys watching the post game right now? It looks like Sam's dad. <laughs> you got to watch the post game, the CSN post game. I legit thought it was. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, what what, what did my dad do? Oh, you're not you're not watching the the post game. It's, you know how they have the fans ask the players a question. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> All right, let's let's get on topic here real quick. So let's start. Let's let's. Let's get through the main topics of the show, which are uh, all right. We got to start here. Draymond Green, game of the season. Is this a shut shut the fuck up, criticizing me type of game from Draymond, or was this more of a uh, everything aligned for him kind of game? Uh, this is not definitely not a shut. The, like if he does this on Sunday against the Lakers, oof, like I'm in. You know what I mean? If he goes in that Lakers game and he pulls this and he plays this well and they beat the Lakers, because you know Steph is probably going to Hey, if, Kel- if, Kelly, if Kelly Uber gets 20 points on backdoor cuts on the Lakers, you know, <laughs> that's that's a different issue. But uh, I I'm, I mean, what do you think? I think it, it, this is kind of like – this is look, he, played, he shot more in the first – like he was kind of what he was, um, but that – they just showed like kind of finishing. He had 11 points today. And he finished a couple times. He made a three. He had a couple finishes down the lane that looked like he was actually trying to shoot it instead of last game when he was looked like he was trying to pass and accidentally went in. Um, and uh, and he played a team that Charlotte's pretty good defensively, but the it was, today it was just it was uh, they, they were they were a joke. 
Yeah. And um, I, I just think we got to get to the, the fundamental dream on point here, which is the dude needs a little motivation to get going. Right. Like at, at his core, I think he, um, he, he was, uh, he was more excited to get tonight off because of how the last Charlotte game ended where he gets ejected at the end and they lose. And like, I mean, that was, that was probably Draymond is the worst, right? Like he cost the team the game. He even admitted he cost the team the game. All, all that fun. And um, now we're, you know, now it's kind of like a, you know, I, I need to redeem myself type of game. And that's kind of Draymond on his core, right? Like he, he shows up when he needs to. He needs stakes in a game. Everyone always says he needs stakes in a game. This is one way you get stakes in a game when you're trying to prove everyone wrong and you're trying to say, you know, I had an off night, but I'm not that bad. Yeah, that's that's actually that's perfect. I, I like the thing is he he acts like he's the most confident or the smartest guy. I think Ad Wright was on our on our on the locker room last game. He was talking about how smart he is, and I'm like, how confident he he is and how he can score. And I'm just like, that's not true because he's out there not scoring, and it's because he's not confident shooting the ball. But he's confident, confident though, though when he's motivated. Right. Like when he's actually motivated out there, like you're saying, and there's something at stake, which in this game, this like what was at stake was his like his. I don't know. Like it was a little bad. redemption for the last. Yeah, game. Yeah, they, played, exactly. they played Charlotte six days ago. He obviously had. Um, I mean, he, he, it was a terrible ending to the game. He took he took the blame for everything. This was a lot of hey, my bad for the last one. But just remember, I'm still that good type of game. Yep. Uh, Aaron, can you, uh, are you good? Is he, let's see if he's, uh, let's see if he's on. Oh yeah, yeah Aaron. Uh, oh yeah, let's get it. Let's get it, boys. And by the way, Andy, uh, can we talk, well, first of all, shouts to you for playing Hurt here. Um, <laughs> I hope you're feeling all right. I hope you got, I hope they gave you the good stuff. The, uh, oh, it's the ex- good. Good. Oh. And uh, can I say how much I enjoy your uh, Hawaiian smiley Abby, I don't know. I, I don't know what uniform that is. That that's my. Oh, that's the that's the Santa Cruz uh, alter, alternatives for oh, the. Is that uh, like, is that their city or their addition or their their instinct or whatever? Yeah, okay. They're hippie. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they that's what they need to have at the boardwalk there. <laughs> uh, well, what they need to do is they need to fucking uh, they need to start Alan Smiley Geach at the point over Brad Wanamaker, so I can. So I can at least if I'm gonna have a, a unit, a bench unit that's terrible, at least make it entertaining. So that's, Andy, that's, what, you, I'm, that's you, what I'm are, calling are, for. Are you mixing anything with the uh, with the Vikes? Are you uh, are you stepping on anything? I'm trying not to. So far, no. You know, like it, I've done the like the last time I did that was with like Zannies and alcohol, and then you just like black out and don't remember a thing. So I'm not sure <laughs> how I <laughs> not, not what you I'm want not, after the win, huh? Should I, should I tell Tim to edit this out of the pot? No. <laughs> It's legal. It's legal. It's not, not a legal drug. Legal drug. Yeah, he's got a so, prescription. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Just a bunch of water. But anyway, I'm about to uh, appreciate you, Aaron, for hopping on. I'm about to get out of here and grab some sleep. But uh, last thing, Sam uh, and Aaron and everyone else, fuck Brett Wanamaker. <laughs> okay, that was uh, that was succinct. <laughs> we'll leave it there. All right, Aaron, what's up, my yeah. man? How are you, brother? Glad to be here, and uh, let's let's talk some hoops and, and interact with with uh, all the light years listeners on locker room. I'm ready to go. Let's get it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's 
Oh, wow. We've got some awesome background noise going on. Um, <laughs> what I was going to ask you is, let's start with, all right, we were talking Draymond right now. What What is your your take on Draymond in this game? Because we got the uh, we got the motivated play, playoff Draymond tonight, in my opinion. Yeah, so my thing on my thing on Draymond, I guess, is um, if if Draymond, so Draymond obviously was trying to make a point, um, and Draymond's a guy that that feeds off of motivation, off of slights, and how right. he took it upon himself how the how the game in Charlotte, he felt responsible for the game in Charlotte, how that ended. Um, but I guess my, my question for Draymond is, and for for lots of guys that need motivation and have to get imagined motivation and whatever um is why not always um draymond came out obviously was great in the first quarter i think he you know had like eight seven and seven in the first quarter right um so uh i guess you know some of my question for draymond is if you can do this why not always um my my big concern with draymond look draymond is still an effective player he showed defensively you know, the Warriors are a good de- defensive team for a couple of reasons. One of those is Draymond. But right. o- offensively, you and I have talked a lot about his hesitancy to shoot and what that means. And my- I mean, that's, been, that's literally been my biggest issue. Like, I, I, I don't expect Draymond to shoot 40% from three. I just expect him to take more than two shots a game. So I think, I think the big issue is not even so much that it bogs down the offense or it kills the spacing when Draymond won't shoot. Even if he's going to shoot 30% from three, I think you have to get him up there. My issue with him not shooting the ball is that it makes it, it, it what he really does well is orchestrate the offense and pass. And if he is unwilling to shoot, if it's four on five all the time, it hinders his ability to pass the ball. And you can see it because he leads the NBA in turnover percentage by a wide margin. So I think I think he needs to be willing to just shoot the ball, even if he doesn't think it's going to go in, just so people have to pay attention to him doing so. So I just wonder why. I mean, he was fantastic tonight. He was he was the best player on the floor by a wide margin. But I wonder um, how good he can be if he's just not willing to shoot. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my thing the whole way through too. Is like okay, when he plays like this, I have zero hesitations about him. But it's too – it's few and far between in the whole just trust me to turn up when it matters thing. Um, sure. But it's worrisome when you go like three weeks without making an outside – without making a shot pretty much, right? So that's kind of where, where I'm at with Draymond. Should we open this to some questions right now and then we keep moving? Absolutely. Let's get it. I want, I want to talk to the Warrior fans. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's see. Let's, we're going in order. Oh, we're starting Janelle. Janelle, what is up? What's going on, Sam? How you doing? Good. What you got for us? My thing with Draymond, and I've been asking this to myself and to some of my people on the timeline. Why is he so hesitant to shoot? Why has he lost the confidence? No one has bothered to get to the root of it. You know what I mean? And it just seems like he's been confident more in taking it to the basket. He could have been done this. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think that's, uh, I appreciate the question. That's a great question. I, I think that's actually the most fundamental question. It's like, you know, every time we see Draymond play at this level, we're like, why, 
is this once every 20 games? Why can't it be once every other game or, you know, on a regular basis? Like, what is it that is preventing him from getting to that level? I'm, I'm going to defer to Aaron here. I don't know if you have a theory on this, but I feel I do, like I do. First of all, shout out to Janelle for the for the A's hat and Abby. Uh, let's go Oakland. Um, I do have a theory. A couple years ago, so uh, confidence is a big thing for outside shooting. Even when you don't, even like when when Steph shoots the ball, even if right. he's missed ten or ten in a row, he's going to keep shooting because we think the next one is going in. And I think Draymond was a guy that had that confidence. He shot thirty eight percent in in 15 16 from three and then he's had these lingering shoulder issues and so i think that even once he has recovered from those physically i think that affected his shot and once he turned into a 33 percent shooter and then a 30 percent shooter I'll take and 30 25, right now. yeah but and then a 25 percent <laughs> shooter i think that i, I think it, his confidence is shot because once his shoulder injury kind of messed with everything and look there were all those, and I shout out Warriors World. I think he was the first one to do it. But I, I, Draymond looks like he he's shooting with a backpack on, with a bunch of bricks loaded in it every yeah, time yeah. he shoots the ball, right? So, um, but once once that confidence goes, like it's tough to get that back. If, if you have the track record of Kelly Oubre, who was terrible to begin the year, but he's been thirty five, thirty six percent for his entire life, like it's there. But Draymond wasn't that guy. And if you're one of those guys that's kind of a fringe shooter anyway. And your confidence goes like I, I think it's I think it's a complete mental thing, you know, like Chuck Knobloch can't throw the ball from second base or whatever. Like right, once, right. That, once that gets in, once the yips or guys golfers, once that gets in your head, like that is man. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out my my uh, my my golf swing, and yes, the yips are real. Yeah, and like <laughs> I don't like you. You talked about you and I talked about this, but you talked about it on on your show. I listen to your show a lot. Like you talked about it, like this is probably not coming back for Draymond. So like even before the year, right? Like, was it fair to expect hopefully like 32, 33%? Maybe, but like I I think uh, like everybody here, everybody in the room, Warriors fans, like it's not coming back. Draymond's done. This is what Draymond is as an offensive player now. Like it's done. Yeah. Okay. So my whole thing is I was just hoping for 33% and confidence. Like at at this point, I think we all agree the year he shot 39% was the outlier year. Like that's not who he is. I've watched him shoot the ball before that and after that. And like, he was really in a groove, but he, he doesn't, he's not that good a shooter. And, and that's fine. He does a lot of other things. I'm just looking for him to shoot it with some confidence a little bit. So Yeah. So I agree with, so, and I think that's a thing. I, I think that's very valuable, right? Like I worked for the Lakers for a while. And I used to always say that there is value because Lonzo, when he came in, was a terrible three-point shooter. The, right. was funky. The delivery was funky. But I, there is value in just being willing to shoot. And you see it with LaMelo, right? Like, LaMelo is an ordinary three-point shooter. But the fact that he is just willing to shoot them makes defenses at least go, eh, like, we should kind of pay attention. And there's no hesitation. That's Correct. that's the thing. Uh, LaMelo If you're, if you're unwilling shoots- to shoot it, the spacing yeah. just dies. Like, you can't stand out there or the spacing dies. I think about someone like Corey Brewer, who's a disgusting shooter. But the man, if he if he got the ball past him in the corner, it was going up. And right. guys close on him because right. it's instinct. When you see the shot go up, you close. And 
you know, if you do the Draymond thing, which is usually get the ball, scan the floor, think about it, it gives defenders time to be like, you know, go ahead, shoot that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to the to the secondary third defender. I should be at, you know. So that's kind of, but it's 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 fine if Draymond's willing to at least take the shot here and there. Right. The issue, the issue I have is like Draymond got into some. I mean, we we all saw the stats where he was uh, setting records for assists to shot attempts, like in a negative way. It's like no one has ever averaged this many assists without ever taking a shot. So, well, and, and I don't think I don't think that's sustainable, to be honest. Like that is, that style of play is not. It is not. And but so the other thing is, so guys like Draymond and, and even Ben Simmons, guys that are like reluctant shooters. If they play, you know, 15 feet off of you at the top of the key, there are counters that can be you. And and Draymond, my frustration with Draymond and Kerr is that they will only go to those counters sometimes, right? Like if a guy is not, if nobody is guarding you, if somebody is drifting, if you're at the top of the key or the three-point line and somebody, whoever's guarding you is in the paint, you can come set a screen for somebody because it takes so long for whoever is guarding you to get up to the screen the guy you're screening for, in this case, Steph, if you do a dribble handoff, um, can be effective. But in, in my opinion, they're, the Warriors are too focused on Draymond as just standing at the top of the key and orchestrating. Right, right. Um, as opposed to using that thumb, because Draymond is a really good passer, but it clogs up. It gets can get congested. So I would like to see the Warriors kind of counter some with Draymond setting more screens when he is not being guarded because it's an action that can no, take advantage I, of those coverages. I agree with you. All right, we're getting to we keep it moving. Oh shit. We got Uh oh. Oh wait, Tom, I heard, is this Tommy from the from the last podcast? I heard you were you were talking about his his, uh, his picture here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Tommy Tommy's yeah. in the middle of a frat party right now. Yeah the pre the pre COVID <laughs> picture. No, uh, I'm not. Definitely <laughs> looks like uh, the picture definitely looks like you were at Palm Springs. That yep, it was a couple years ago, but I have actually been uh, I played golf today. I've been drinking since like noon, so this this might get a little <laughs> bit crazy. That a boy, where it goes. But, but. I know oh, to the name Tamela? No, not Lamella. We're not going to talk about Lamella. We're not going to talk about Lamella. But <laughs> I feel like Draymond was pretty good tonight. Can we at least give him a little bit of credit for that? Oh, absolutely. We're no, we're, hold on. Pretty good. Draymond was the best player on the floor by a wide margin. Thank you. Okay. Okay. As long as we acknowledge that. And then also, both of you guys are, are very hard on Kerr. This Warriors team is now guarding the basketball on the perimeter, at the rim, at a, at a pretty high level. Can we give Kerr a little bit of credit, too? Like, the guy has his, his warts. He's very stubborn. He doesn't want to adjust. But the things that he's good at, he is very good at. Like, he taught this team how to play defense. But a lot of guys who don't really know how to guard off the ball, but they've figured it out. They've been the number one defense in the league the last 15 games. He's done an excellent job with this team defensively. I agree with you. I, okay, so okay. Fine. I will start first. I will start first. I will take my medicine first. <laughs> Steve Kerr does deserve credit for figuring out a scheme here and getting the team to defend as a unit. At this point, they are, I want to say they're fourth. They might be third in the NBA now, defensive rating. I have my skepticisms about their defensive ceiling, but any way you slice it, they're maximizing who they are defensively. Like anything beyond this is, I mean, 
All right. So, so Anthony Davis can turn up defensively higher than Kelly Oubre. Like that's, there's no coach who can fix that. Right. So I th- I think Steve Kerr deserves credit for all that. And I do agree with you. It's, it's one of his stronger points as a coach. He's, He's stubborn, but with that stubbornness comes whatever his vision is. He's going to optimize it no matter how you put it. Yeah, yeah. Aaron? I mean, look, Tommy, you're not you're not uh, you're not entirely wrong. Um, I I think the issues with the Warriors are a process problem. There we um, go. I I think I think um, I think the Warriors. And Steve Kerr and his stubbornness has not optimized the Warriors. Um, I think the Warriors, uh, on balance, should be somewhat better than they are. However, you're not wrong. The numbers are what they are, right? Like, you're not wrong. There is not a lot of offensive talent on this team. There's much more defensive talent than there is offensive talent. And Steve Kerr went into the year saying, my goals are to have a top 10 defense and we're going to run the Warriors are second in pace. And at least coming into tonight, we're fourth in defensive rating. So he has achieved those goals. I have some disagreements about how he's gone about certain things. And um, I think some things he's still getting wrong, but look, I mean, the results are what they are. And you know, what is Bill Parcells? You are what your record says. Steve Kerr is responsible for it. I don't think, he was done any favors in roster construction, but like I think he has done, I think he has done a B job with this roster. Um, so yeah, I mean he gets he gets I, some I mean, credit though. The Warriors, the Warriors are like smack dab in the playoff race, and the the Kevin Peltons of the world and the five thirty eights of the world said that the Warriors were going to be eleventh or fourteenth in the Western 14. Conference, and yep. and they're they're a playoff team. So he, he I mean, gets he gets be, credit for that. To be fair, if the process and if the process wasn't what it is, and Kerr isn't who he is, this team probably has Lamelo Ball, and it looks a lot different this year. So, <laughs> and that gets to my second it, yeah, point, which it is, is what it is. But the, he's done I, a good I, job, I, all things considered, I think, because this roster looked awful to start the season, and they've really turned it around. So, first three game winning streak, you got at least got to give him some credit for that. We do, we do, and and this team is, I think. Um, I think this is a point that often gets understated, which is he's not just a coach. He's won three rings. He has clout with the front office. So you can't give him credit for the coaching, but then lament him for the roster construction because he has more input on the roster construction than an average coach. And that's fine, but it's, it is fundamentally part of the conversation. Um, Absolutely. It's like the LeBron thing. It's like, yeah, exactly. Where like well, he, but, but he, he does, he's, uh, he's affecting the front office. So you've got to like take the lumps and take the credit at the same time. You can't only accept it when it's good. No, that's, you're right. You're right. My issue is his, in my opinion, his stubbornness has cost the Warriors a title already. And four or five or six Which years he, later in 2016 in 2016. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean like we're, you're, we're, like the Kumbaya curse stuff we're playing Festus Azili and Anderson Barajal. Oh yeah. Like re- real minutes. Like you just can't. Um, and frankly, I think that he and the, the front office and, and, and Sam makes this point a lot. It's very difficult to separate him from the front office. But I think he slashed the front office 
have taken Steph for granted and just has been like, you know what? Like, we just need guys that are guard will guard because Steph is going to get us to a good offense no matter what. And it's just it, it that isn't true. Like Steph needs some help. He needs some space. So, and I don't. I have an issue with like the the kind of you don't get it both ways, right? Like, are you playing for this year? Are you chasing wins or not? If it's not about this year, then you don't sit. Then you don't take Wiseman out of the starting lineup. You don't get it both ways. Either it's about this year and trying to win right now, or it isn't. So I think he very specifically, Kerr very specifically, is responsible for making those choices in that direction. And if it's going to be about next year and the year after and the year after, fine. Then you don't pull Wiseman out of the starting lineup. If it's going to be about this year, fine. Maybe you do. But then you you have the, the messaging is like, you just don't get it both ways. He, he more than anybody mixed. seems no. to be trying to thread the needle and you don't get it both ways. All right, let's, well, let's take this a different direction then, guys, because we, we've had this conversation. I want to I stick on this game a little bit. LaMelo and Wiseman tonight, okay? Let, let's start there. I mean, I'm going to let Tommy get off one more take here, and then we're going to keep moving. Um, that, with that jersey, you got to get him one more. Yeah, I mean, anyone pulling out the Davidson 30 gets, gets two to three takes. So who's everyone changed out. Uh, who's the old? Well, <laughs> I don't know if he's at Chase, but back in the uh, back in the Oracle days, who was like the the like fifty two year old balding white dude that was right behind the scorers table in the day? Is that like Tommy? Is that your dad or like who? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man! <laughs> hey, at least we're not calling you the old the old balding fifty two year old. Come on, man. Hey, man. Uh, I'm twenty nine, but I am balding. It's fair enough. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Um, mm-hmm. Now, what I was, what I was, let's, let's get back on topic here. All right. So, okay. James Wiseman. Really rough second quarter. In, initial. So, I mean, it's hard to watch him across the court from LaMelo Ball and not constantly compare the two, right? Like, LaMelo is clearly the better player today, February 26, 2021. There's no way around that. And... Um, I thought Lamelo looked at, looked pretty good for most of the night. I mean, he did kind of get destroyed defensively the whole way through, but it's not like James Wiseman is a defensive monster at this point in his career. Where are you guys both at um, with James Wiseman and um, what you're seeing with Lamelo? Do, do you have trepidation? Do you have comfort in their process? Where are you? Let's start with Tommy first, and then we'll move to Aaron. So somebody called Wiseman in the comments. Somebody called him Big Bambi. And I thought that was like a very appropriate nickname. He just, he'll have these moments where it's like, oh, wow, that's a super strong move in the pose. And he makes a hook shot. or he's The like, spin makes move. Spin the move spin, spin move is very like, nice. Oh, my God. Wow. Like, this guy could be amazing. And then, and then for five minutes, he just doesn't do anything. And he misses up every rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't. For a couple minutes, he won't do anything right. He'll mess up every rotation. He won't be able to catch the ball. Like, he had probably five or six drops tonight, at least. And at the end of the day, if you're a big man and you can't catch the ball, how can you affect the game? Like, especially with the team that's in place right now and you're expected to play off of Steph and Draymond, it's just going to be very tough for you to affect the game. But I also thought LaMelo struggled tonight, honestly. The, the Warriors' ball pressure really bothered him. And he is 19. He's young. He's skinny. 
And so he's going to struggle with that type of stuff for a while. But Had the outside I, shot going, but not much else. I thought yeah. they both played like average to bad. And I thought LaMelo's bad game was better than Wiseman's bad, bad game. That's fair. All right, Tommy, appreciate you. Thank mm-hmm. you moving. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of I, – I, look, LaMelo was better than, than Big Big Jim, yeah. who we've now discovered, who we knew hated that, that name, but we now we've got it officially from him. Until he, he wasn't. Um, he shot the ball well, uh, turned the ball over a bunch, right? Like right at the end of the first half, kind of inbounded the ball to what he thought was Bismack Biombo for some unknown reason. And Damian Lee got a layup or got a foul and two free throws out of it. Um, I think I figured it out with Wiseman. And, and, you know, I'm like the biggest, yeah, whatever. I colonized Wiseman Island. Um, but I think what it is with him, I mean, look, to be fair, he looks like he's playing with like oven mitts on his hands. He can't catch the ball. And that permeates. It, it just, uh, hear me, hear me out on this one. I just yeah. think the game's moving too fast for him. So, so that's what I think. It, it, that's my point. It because he has skill and soft hands, which is why I say it looks like he has oven mitts on because they're soft. But I agree with you that it's when the game is moving too fast for him, it makes it look like his hands suck. And frankly, his hands suck. So I think what it is, like I I wrote down a bunch of notes while I was, when I was watching the game and like he uses his size on offense, but not on defense. And the big problem for him on both sides is when he has to make reads, when he has to make too many reads, like it looks like his brain just locks up. And then everything is a problem, right? If he, he's, his hands are much better catching lobs because there's only one thing to do. It's just catch the lob and dunk. When, he's, when he has to kind of read where everybody else is around him, he struggles catching, catching the ball. When he is I – I don't think the Warriors should put him in drop coverage or even a, like a gap on pick and roll. Right. I, think he, I think he should just switch or blitz or whatever so that he has one read and just go do that, be enormous, be quick, be athletic. Because when he gets in a drop coverage or a gap coverage, he kind of has to gauge where everything else is. And then he gets caught in no man's land. And then all these guards can abuse and I, him. And I don't want to pull my full Bill Simmons here, but like just body language, like it's very visible on his face that he's he's trying too hard. You know, exactly. That's so, part of so it like, where it's like you just want to figure out how to relax him because like offensively. And I think you tweeted this. Like offensively, I think the Warriors are doing him a disservice, putting him in positions where he is offensively like a decision maker instead of a play finisher, right? Like I don't love them throwing the ball to him in the in the mid post, you know, like sixteen, and then he faces up and he has all these different options, and he ends up usually taking like a slow eighteen foot jumper. But right. when he throws the ball, when they throw the ball to him in the post, and it's just like there's no decision; it's get the ball and act a quick spin move a drop step or whatever or even when he catches the ball at the three-point line when there's no thought involved and it's just get this shot up he looks like i mean he looks like that dude so i think i agree with you i think a lot of it is just his brain locking up from we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Too much stimuli. So, uh, and I, I think that's the big thing with his hands, with his defense, with everything. So, you know, some of that can probably be, um, you know, once the game slows down, I, I, I think there's good things to say. And, I, and frankly, like Lamelo to me shot the ball well, but aside from that, he was he was pretty good. He got Looney once one on one. He was a little better one on one than I assumed he would be in watching him. But like, I don't think he was better than Wiseman today. Fair enough. We're gonna keep moving. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash lightyears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Max. Max, what you got for us? Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, I got two things. Um, one, over the last month, I think uh, Kelly has been significantly better than Wiggs. And long term, who do you guys have more confidence in between the two? Oh, I love that question. That is okay. So I'm, I'm going to give my initial take, which is I do think Steve Kerr deserves credit for. Generally, I, I think both of them have kind of maximized who they are with the Warriors. Like, in, they're playing really good defense. They are, they make sense with what the Warriors want to do, at least defensively. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's been uh, not as consistent as you want, but you're probably lying to yourself if you think Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Uber are going to be more consistent than this. So, who do I want long term? I actually think. I would want Andrew Wiggins long-term, but then when you start factoring the contracts, it gets a little more complicated. So it's a little trickier that way. Aaron, what do you got? Yeah, so I, I think um, obviously, you know, all, all of the Minnesota fans would tell you like this is who Andrew Wiggins is um, and ha, 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 this is what you get. Um, 
I think Wiggins has been fine. He started the year, you know, short shooting 42% from three and you're not going to get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's not going to be a thing, but what I am kind of fascinated by is actually how well they fit together uh, uh, defensively, especially um, like offensively, they're both kind of just fine, whatever. But I think the they kind of fill the same role offensively, to be honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it, well, they, yeah, theoretically they do. Um, like Wiggins was minus a million tonight because he, because he played with the second unit and, and, and yes. just, and, and the second unit was terrible. Um, but I'm actually kind of fascinated and I started looking up some numbers. I think there's something about their synergy on, uh, defensively. Wiggins is kind of just like the steady, you know, you're going to shoot six for 18 against him. And, and Ubre is just a menace and wild and goes for steals and is all over the place. And I think I, I haven't flushed out this theory completely yet, but I think there is something about how, you know, you have one like steady guy and one wild man. And the fact that you can kind of switch those onto different guys on the wings on to the opposition's two best players um, and have options defensively. I think that is one of the reasons that it's that the Warriors defense has been as good as it is because, you know, like all of the, the Ubre picking people up 94 feet and, and, you know, signaling first downs is annoying. And you're like, <laughs> get this fucking dude away from me. And then you've got Wiggins who's just kind of like steady and always challenging every shot. I think there's something to the like steady and wild that is really working for the Warriors defense. Do you, do you prefer the first down signal or blowing kisses? Uh, I like blowing kisses better because it usually means uh, Ubre has made like one of his now 32% of his threes on the year. <laughs> nice. uh, that's, that's, I think that's more, that's more meaningful than taking a charge. Nice. I like it. I like it. Okay. We'll keep moving. What's up, guys? Jimmy, what's up, man? Hey, first and foremost, I want to say Fitz was in great form tonight. I don't know if you guys were watching the Warriors <laughs> broadcast or not, but he was he was special. Always. I, I thought the most underrated comment of the night was when, like, at some point he's like, one could say this game has actually been fun to watch. I almost lost it. I was laughing. <laughs> so, but... My, uh, Fitz's Fitz's performance art at this point. I think he's actually aware of the commentary. I think it's so meta that he knows and he's oh, trying. He has hard. to be in on it by this point. Like, there's no way, right? Like, yes, he would be like my press secretary if I was ever, ever elected to office. The spin is insane. <laughs> but, but anyway, on some hoop talk. What I was thinking is the second unit is atrocious. They need to do something. I just like don't like. What playmaking options do we have? Like, ideally, it's pool, right? But like, he obviously hasn't been great. Like, what do we, what do we do? Do we try and cut Wanamaker and sign like some dude off the street? Do we look at Jay Lynn? Do we just put JTA back there? Which I honestly wouldn't hate either. Like, what do you guys think? That's a great question. All right, Aaron, I'm gonna let you go to this because, like, um, okay, if you're so, a believer, let, let, let me preface this: if you're a believer that the Warriors play comes back next year. They're going to keep Ubre. James Wiseman gets a year better, and you're really running back like the full squad roster. The biggest need is yeah, literally anyone who can do anything off the dribble for the second unit because that's not Jay, that's not a Wanamaker's job. 
Um, but but like it's it's a question: the short term or the long term? Who can they target without with with limited resources? Right? Yeah, I mean, there. Well, I, there, it's it's two different questions, right? There's the question for next year, and then the question for the rest of this year. And I think for next year, the the answer is the same thing as it was for this year. You just do it better, right? Like. You you go get a minimum guy. You can have a minimum guy. There are minimum guys out there, you know, DJ Augustine or whatever, but you just pick a better one than Brad Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker wasn't good in Boston. He's just, Brad Wanamaker's not any good. Um, he's just, he, I mean. You're not, I, he, I, he, he, hey, you're not, get, you're not no, getting, you're not getting a lot of uh, pushback from Warrior fans on that yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, he's, no. Brad Wanamaker's just not, he just isn't good enough. So, I mean, for next year, that is one option. For this year, um, look, I mean, we, we've seen Jordan Poole plenty. He's been really good in the G League. He's also turning the ball over, right? Like, there's a reason that, that Jeremy Lin is not an NBA on an NBA roster. However, I think both of those guys are probably, at this point, probably should be ahead of Brad Wanamaker in the rotation, even though Brad Mill Wanamaker got his first dunk maybe of his life today. Um, but I, so I think, so I, I think that need is actually somewhat overstated. I agree that the Warriors need a backup point guard. Um, but like it, if for, for the rest of this year, if you can't find anybody, um, that's kind of the point of having an offensive creator like Andrew Wiggins in the second unit. Like Andrew Wiggins is not going to play point guard, but he can handle the ball enough that if you have some other threats around him, it kind of works. I like, I just, at this point, I don't know what, what function Brad Wanamaker serves. I like, I, I just like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, it just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. He's just, I mean, like, unless you want to bring him in, you know, with a minute left to shoot free throws, I just I don't understand. <laughs> I like I don't I don't I don't get it. So um, yeah, I mean I would I would try. I mean, from what I all right, let me let Aaron, Aaron let me, yeah, let me ask you this: what kind of uh, what kind of playmaker would you want? It? Let, let's start with this. Steve's not changing the system. You know what kind of basketball the Warriors want to play. What type of player would you actually be targeting that fits? Because, like, we, we can all point to why didn't they trade for Derrick Rose, you know, like a month ago. But, like, I don't think uh, Derrick Rose is a uh, Steve Kerr type of player, for example. So who should no. – and I know what they were trying to do with Brad Wanamaker. Now, he didn't fit the bill, but Brad Wanamaker is very much a system. Uh, initiate the offense, cut, and, you know, break an open shot uh, type of point guard. So sure. I'm trying to figure out who they should be targeting. No, but I mean, look, there've been, you know, there've been, there've been rumors about George Hill, um, who would absolutely work. But again, like for when the Warriors have been, the Warriors haven't had a backup point guard in like seven years, right? Like they, it was, they've had wings that whether it's Sean Livingston or Iguodala or Draymond, they've had guys that have not been small guys, traditional point guards that have you know, kind of handled the ball a bunch on the second unit forever, you know, like back since Barbosa, basically. So I, I think that model is fine. 
um, that you just need enough of those guys. And again, like for this roster, I would rather have Andrew Wiggins handling the ball than, than Brad Wanamaker in the second unit at this point. It just like, it just doesn't, Brad Wanamaker just is showing you that he, at this point is not an NBA player. So yeah. If you're not like if you're not going to go tra- and I understand the difficulties of, of acquiring somebody, if that's not what's going to happen, if you're not going to go get George Hill, if you're not going to trade Kelly Oubre for Alonzo or whatever, then like optimize what you yeah, have. Do the, best the you, do the best yeah. you can with what you got. Yeah. All right. We keep moving. Ricky, what's up, my man? Oh, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So. You know, uh, Draymond during the post game said that you know he says he's in shape and he feels great, but you know he he, he gets tired. He says he gets pretty tired uh, pretty quick, um, and uh, he doesn't think it's conditioning. He thinks it's potentially you know COVID lingering effects. So you know, how concerned should the Warriors be moving forward if he's still feeling those uh, lingering effects? Appreciate the question, Ricky. Um, I don't even know how to answer that, to be honest with you. Like, obviously, that's a concern. Um, it's We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's a little dicey. Like, there, there's no real playbook for – like, it's not an ankle sprain. It's not one of those, like, all right, you just give him two weeks on ice, like, that sort of thing. And, like, that's what, kind of been my impression with Draymond since the beginning of the season where uh, he said his wind isn't where he wants it to be. And um, that's kind of the player Draymond is like Draymond's not a, I, I don't need to be in shape. I can just ISO and cook you in the post of a player. He needs, uh, he needs his full athleticism. Like, I mean, honestly, like imagine if Steph was 10% less effective in terms of moving off the ball and just his cardiovascular fitness, he'd be a lot less effective. So um to Ricky's point, like it is concerning, but like I don't even know how to to attack that because COVID's generally a new disease, and we don't really know what the long term effects are. Like I don't know if this is one of those things where like in April it will be better, or you know it needs to be a long term concern. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you said it. I think you got it right there. Uh, just I think the only thing is like nobody knows what this does to people unless you've had it and the people that have had it it does different things to different people so i think the only thing we can do is you say like you believe whatever dre is saying uh wiseman also like you just believe what they're saying saying and how they feel so whenever dre feels like he's 100 percent, then that's what we hold him to but until then yeah i mean we (laughs) like it's a pandemic and this is a new this is new territory for everybody we don't know what it is Absolutely. Keep moving. Drew, what's going on? Yeah, what's up? I think, uh, you know, in response to you asked the question, was this uh, sort of fuck you game from Draymond or was this, you know, (laughs) just uh, him happening to play better? You know, I think, honestly, Mav Carter called him up with like, hey, Dre, you got to start playing better, man. They're comparing you to Tim Tebow out here. You know what I'm saying? So you you think you think the the light years locker room comparing him to Tim Tebow is why he threw nineteen assists today? That got to, that got to the clutch mafia. Well, I think it's for <laughs> double digit points. I think it is. Ooh, um, I like that. Yeah, I think because and it, I mean, I'm willing to take the victory lap. 
Yeah, yeah. No, but I do think uh, with Borrego and Kerr, they have more in common uh, than I, I realize maybe because they both play players that shouldn't be playing. Like Biznak, Biombo, I don't even know why he's still in the league, but he was getting run. And uh, <laughs> Kerr with Wanamaker, it's like the same thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and, and and so let's let's get to the, the, the broad point. So why do you think Draymond's playing better right now? You really think it's uh you, you think it's a push from the from the agency side? That's what we're getting here. I mean, I do think he was hearing it. I don't know if it was from the agency side, but I think he was probably a little embarrassed about how the other Charlotte game ended. And he knows. I think he kind of preserves his body during the regular season and then turns up for the playoffs a lot. Um, so he kind of realized, like, all right, it's gotten to a point now where I'm shooting thirty percent from the field. I need to at least show people I'm still capable of playing like I did in 2019. You know what I'm saying? I, well, I one hundred percent agree with you. Um, Draymond is a guy who needs some sort of stakes, and anytime anyone doubts him, so like the Charlotte Charlotte's a perfect example. Last um, last Saturday, he cost the team the game. There's no other way around it. And so, like for him, this is like an opportunity to be like, "Hey, guys, uh, you know." I may have cost you that one, but but let's not forget who I am type of game from him. And I think that's the interesting thing with Draymond because, like, he can turn up to a level that, quite frankly, very few players in the NBA are capable of getting to. Like, he's, he is that smart. He is that multifaceted. Even when his shot's not falling, he's still pretty damn effective. But it's hard to engage him to get to that level. And... Yeah, I mean, it's it's just part of the the dichotomy of Draymond. Like, I, I don't know how many other players you could describe that way. Like, most players, if they're good, they're good. Draymond can oscillate between should he be an NBA player to is he one of the ten best players in the NBA. Like, not a lot of players have that sort of range. Yeah, for sure. And I did have one more question, real quick. Uh, What's up, Quinn Cook and Glenn Robinson got uh, waived. I think. Uh, which of those two players? If you had a choice, would you prefer to end up on the Warriors? Aaron, take it. I mean, neither is the answer, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I would, I would rather. For as much as everybody loves, and this is true, um, everybody loves Quinn Cook. All the Warriors um, guys love him. He was great in the locker room with the Lakers. Uh, Glenn GR three is a better NBA basketball player, and has more usefulness um, because of his size on the wing. Although at this point, I think I'd rather have Quinn Cook playing backup point guard than Brad Wanamaker. So I, I guess maybe there's more room for, for Quinn Cook, but I mean, the answer is probably neither. I like there's, I don't, I don't think there's room for either to be honest. Okay. So you don't think Glenn Robinson the third helps because he is at least a wing. Yeah. I just, um, I, no, he's, I, I, I I think Warrior fans fell in love with him last year because it was a terrible team and he was the best wing on a terrible team. But Yeah, and there's there's athletic articles about him buying furniture for random old ladies that don't know who he is that he lives in a building with. Yes. Um Yeah, I mean I, like I look, I think he's better than I think he's better than Quinn Cook, but I don't know um you know, is he better than Damian Lee? Is he better than JTA? I don't know. There's like uh, who do you, than, is, who do you cut? Right, right. Is he better than? Is he better? Is he than better than Smiley? He's better than Smiley. He's yeah, but that is not. I mean, that clearly hasn't been the calculus thus far. 
True, true. Um, all right, we can keep moving. Sergio. Yo, what up? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, Sergio, I can hear let's you. Get What's it. up, man? So, uh, first of all, I want to show Wiseman some love, and then I'm going to ask you guys a roster question. Uh, so, Wiseman per 36 right now at 19 years old, putting up 21 points, 10 rebounds, uh, two blocks on 52 from two and 43% from the three. And then my question for like the roster next year, I guess, is uh, would you be sad at this point to see Ubre in a different uniform next season, especially considering that getting someone of his value with cap restrictions is highly unlikely? And then who is your favorite candidate of the expiring contracts to return next year? Well, I love that question. So yeah, that's good. To to start with it, they have to keep Ubre if they don't trade him at the deadline. They're too far over the cap that um, there, there's just no one available at a veteran minimum with his skill set. Quite frankly, like he makes more sense as a third wing. Um, he, he does certain things like he he's a flawed player, but it, it is what it is. He's he's athletic. He plays defense. He's a good cutter. He can score the ball a little bit. Um, I think if they don't trade him by March 25th, they have to do whatever they can to keep him because if they lose him, they're I mean, what veteran minimums are. It's it's Kent Bazemore, who's been actually really good for them, to be honest, but like you can't necessarily count on that from veteran minimum and or Juan Toscano, but either way, you're not getting a player of Kelly's caliber. Yeah, I mean, you're that's 100% correct. Either you trade uh, Ubre now or now, whenever the deadline is next or, three weeks, yeah, yeah, March 25th or something. Um, either you trade him before the deadline or you keep him, it, it, even if you don't love him as a player, just so you have the salary spot because there's no mechanism to replace him. So, um, I think he is and should be the most likely uh, expiring contract to stay. Pretty simple. Agree. And, and, and I think he fits. I, I think he fits like pretty well as a uh, as a six man, especially defensively for the stuff I, I mentioned earlier. How he can kind of be the wild man and and uh, Wiggins and Clay can be more. Uh, wing stoppers kind of steady and then you have somebody kind of coming in as a change of pace defensively so yeah yeah I mean the okay so we can debate you know what we should expect from Clay next year based off of his uh, two injuries and you know the, the layoff and um, you know th- those are real things but um, if you look at the roster obviously bringing back staff you're bringing back Draymond now you have Clay Wiggins and hopefully Ubre on the wings. You're not in a bad position to where you would enter the offseason with your primary goal being, I just need to upgrade the playmaker role in the second unit. I need to get someone better than Brad Wanamaker. And all of a sudden, I don't know how good the roster is, but I do think it's semi deep and it's interesting. It's enough that you you want to see where it lands before you start making the wholesale changes before you start considering like we need to trade Wiseman and picks and all this stuff to get a big time player. Like it puts you in a conversation where you're you're at least have an interesting roster. So, yeah, I mean, I I think if if all of 
if everything goes as you hope, um, all those guys that you mentioned, and then you're looking for, with whatever exceptions, you're looking for a backup point guard again, um, and you're looking for another center, kind of a Marcus who's not been great for the Lakers, but kind of a Marcus um ring-chasing center just as another option. Sure. Um, this, you know, this coming. But but then, the, I mean, the interesting thing is if everything goes well, then you also have, you know, Kaminga or somebody with the fourth or fifth. Um, Jalen Green. Yeah. Maybe, somebody maybe, with, the, maybe, with the Minnesota yeah. pick. And maybe you can actually kind of thread the needle. Look, I I, I agree. I've, I've heard people on your podcast say this and people other way that, like, you're doing a disservice to Steph if you have both Wiseman and the Minnesota pick next year. And and I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but if everything goes 100% how you hope it goes, you know, I, I think it's possible that the Warriors can thread that needle. Yeah. It's like you're, you know, best case you're the Spurs where you thread the needle. Worst case you're the Celtics where everything looks good on paper, but it just never. Where you have two all-stars and you're 15 and 17. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, you have these young players who look amazing with uh, Kyrie and uh, Hayward and Horford, and it, the chemistry's off, and you know, it doesn't come together. But I, I, I think working from a position of having a bunch of players people want is ultimately always a better position to be in. So I don't know. Maybe they need to make the trade, but like if if the if the trade isn't there. I'd rather roll with who the pick is and, and go with it. All right, we keep moving. Hey, Mark, what's up? Yo, man? yo, I'm here, man. Hey, so help, help me out here. I, I, I could have swore last year Kai Bowman played well enough to earn a roster spot this year. Guy gets waived, and here we are stuck watching Brad Wanamaker try to run a second unit. Like, if if the if the Warriors have any actual desires to be competitive in the playoffs, they got to get something from the second unit. And I, I I may be on the out when I say this. Th- there's a reason why I was a big fan of them drafting Lamelo if if that was a possibility because this situation that we're watching right now wouldn't even, right. would be non-existent. Right now, obviously, you're going to say then, well, who are they getting at center? I don't know. We'll let Bob and front office figure that part out. But it, it it's such a glaring hole. It's embarrassing to watch. I mean, we're we're stuck here watching Steve run this whole rotation to the to the second and have to watch Brad play six minutes of terrible basketball. Like, what is going on? I I, I don't understand it at all. So hold on. Let, let let's let's be fair here, though. You're not wrong, and Wanamaker's terrible. Right, you're not wrong. He's been terrible. He was terrible. The idea of it was terrible. If 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 Sam was willing to release the footage, you can look at our text thread. (laughs) I've been telling I've been telling Sam Wanamaker is terrible for six months. Yeah. Um, But it's not just that. Like it it is it's it's more institutional than that. When was the last time the Warriors had somebody that could dribble and initiate offense? Other than Seth, it's I, not like it's not a Watermaker thing. It's not a Kurt, like it's not a Kerr thing. Why did he keep playing him? 
When was the last time the Warriors said, you know what, we need somebody to initiate offense and dribble without Steph Curry? It's been a blind spot for the front office for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I seen someone someone in the chat put it was Jared Jack. I mean, most recent memory, yeah, it, yeah, it was Jared Jack, and it, I, I, I think it's, it is kind of since they since they got when they got KD, they're like, all right, we don't need any ball handlers ever. No, but it was Jared, no longer it was there Jared either. Jack and Leandro Barbosa, like, but they're, they they haven't they they've had they've had wings. Right, Livingston and Iggy and Durant and even Draymond. They they've had other guys to initiate offense and they've done stuff from the high post with Bogut, um Zaza. Zaza even David West. Like they've done but they this has been a blind spot for the front office for as long as Steph has been here. Yeah, I mean and, and if you think about it, they they can't get away with that any no longer on this current roster, the way it's constructed, because they don't have enough high IQ guys that can just make that read and react type play. You know, this we're starting to see the offense finally gel, and, and it's nice to see you know guys like Ubre, you know, being in the right spots, making the right cuts. Um, but it, like I said, if, if moving forward, not only just this season, but even just next season, like they really absolutely need another playmaker outside of just Steph. And Draymond, like that, has to be a, a, a hole that they need to plug, and Bob has got to be on that. I agree. I, I do agree. They need they need to figure out some playmaking. They need someone a little more creative. Argument. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mar. All right, moving. thanks, God. Saeed, what up, man? My guys, what's up? Can we, oh, can How you we doing? About your beard I'm good. I'm good. Look at that beard. <laughs> this is my take. All right, we fall in love with our guys too much when they start playing good. We got to trade Ubre right now. It's 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 the reality of how it's going to work. They're not going to if they resign him, they resign him great. But we got we got we got we got him on a hot streak. Got to get us a a good stud right now. That's what I'm saying. I don't disagree with you. I, I'm just wondering. Um, I'll ask Aaron this: What can you get for Kelly Ubre right now? Well, I mean that's right. That so that's what I was going to say. Um. Sad, like for who? <laughs> like I, you're not. Oh, there's wrong. a bunch of dudes. We can go after Collins. We can go after Ball. We can go after all these guys that are disgruntled in their in their own teams right now. Okay, so how I, many I, first how many first round picks you really right, throw for, for John I'll, Collins? I'll, I'll give Minnesota's back. next year's pick when it lands in the top three. Ooh, okay. Oh, you, you're so, getting spicy. So you're, okay, so you're going Uber. So you're going Uber and the Minnesota pick for John. Collins? And give me, give me back their their uh, their young stud center that they just picked up this year. Oh, uh, a Congo, a Congo. No, yeah. or, or 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 yeah, or or do you want? Uh, okay, I mean, look, I, John Collins is really good. Uh, he blocks shots. He can make a three. He's kind of a four or five. Like, but and I look conceptually, I don't disagree with you about trading Ubre. Um, I think it just takes two two teams. It's gonna take another team to want Uber. Look, if if the Pelicans wanted uh Ubre for Lonzo Ball, who has been playing really well basically since all of those trade rumors came about, yes, I would trade Ubre for Lonzo Ball in a second. But um I, I mean, it, it takes a second team to to want to do it. Now, 
it, like, do I want Jared Allen? Yes. Like, sure. But it, it, well, it, my, it takes, my two, other it takes issue, two different teams. My other issue is um, once you draft uh, James Wiseman, Big Jim, do you Didn't really want you we to, gotta, we have to kill that with fire? <laughs> but but do you really want to commit um, trading assets if, for if another going for young guys right now? Uh, these guys are not getting any any younger. Draymond, Clay, and Steph, and Collins is an RFA. They can they can match any contract that anyone wants to sign. You, you they want to go young. They got to go young. And Ubre is not 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 the stud that everyone thinks he is. I don't I don't disagree with you. Uh, Said we appreciate you. We keep moving. I'm just I, I want to figure out who they can move him for. That's the bigger thing. They're. Um, the Warriors are in a decent position, but like they don't have the greatest ability to to make trades. Uh, when you consider half the players on the roster are uh, either veterans who have big contracts or young players who maybe haven't proven anything, so it's it's a lot of like how many draft picks do you want to attach to Kelly Oubre? Right. Uh, yeah. Right. I don't. I mean, I, I'm not against trading. Uh, I'm not against trading Kelly Oubre, but for whom? Exactly. Jack, bring it on. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. So my question is uh, sort of thinking about the future. And, um, you know, I'm just going to, you know, and when thinking about potentially the teams that we have to face next year, for example, the Nets with Kyrie, KD, and Harden, and our starting lineup as it is with Steph, Draymond, Clay. Um, Wiggins and Wiseman do you think that you know say they do get a backup playmaker do you think that our team as, as would be constructed next year is good enough to beat the Nets because I don't think so and uh, you know I wanted to know your take on what in what regard would we need to improve to the point that we could contend with the Nets would would you think that we need another offensive fire piece like in the starting lineup, like a Bradley Beal? Is that the only way that we can think about the Nets? Because, I mean, hearing you guys speak like about Wiseman, you know, all his all the potential that he has. He's 19 years old. We see that he's not going to figure it out next year. I mean, I I don't think it, it takes like a genius to realize that he's going to be a few years away from you know realizing his potential, and. I'm just thinking, like, are, do, don't you worry a little bit that Steph is going to be turning 33, Clay's 31, and Draymond's going to be turning 31? Does the front office, are they aware that, you know, this is sort of like an urgency period that if they potentially make the wrong move and choose to go young, it could literally be the end of Steph's and Clay's winning window for good. For like, we could, it could be like the Spurs, it could work out. Or worst case scenario, we'd be stuck in mediocrity for 10 years and we would have just wasted Steph's and Clay's prime. I don't want to become morbid, but that's literally what it seems like when people say, let's trust Wiseman, let's go with, let's go, let's trust that potential. But it just seems he's too far away and the Nets trio, they're not going anywhere. And like, if we can't set our standards to beat them and just be happy contending, I just think that's a huge disservice to our entire organization, which is all about winning, not about just getting to the Western Conference Finals and losing and being happy with that, right? I mean, so that's I just wanted to get your take on that. So I do agree with you. The goal should be, is this team good enough to win a title? As long as you have Steph Curry playing at this level, which is a title caliber level, 
the goal should be to try to maximize that. So I'm going to, I'm going to see this to Aaron, but um, we kind of, uh, you know, the nets are hot right now, but we're, we're forgetting about the Lakers and they have to get through the Lakers first, which is how do you feel about that Warriors roster against, um, you know, a team with, I, I guess LeBron will be 37 next year, but it doesn't right. really matter. And Anthony Davis and okay. So let, let, let's, let's, let's square it up. Let, let's say the Warriors run, let's say the Warriors try to do the Spurs thing where they go full strength in numbers and they're trusting their culture to develop guys to have this, like, I mean, I think it's a little foolish, but like chasing the 2014 Spurs model, um, where does this Warriors team, how do you feel about this Warriors team entering next year? If, if they do do that? Um, I think it's, largely about what clay looks like if clay is 80 so i so so the the reason why the reason why i have some optimism for that is because i think that the slippage from clay because of his two fairly catastrophic injuries um and i've actually i've talked to his dad about all of this and he seems to be doing really, really well. So I think Warriors fans should be encouraged by that. But I think whatever slippage there may be for Clay is going to be defensively. Um, so I think if you take this roster and you put 85% Clay back on this roster, right? Um, I think it I think I think there is reason to believe that it is a championship contender. Um I have said for a long time that I think, and and this is, you know, to Jack's question specifically about the Nets, I think the Warriors need more firepower. And I think the Warriors are better optimized when they put offense around Steph and try to find offense for Steph. Um, But I, I think it's fair with this roster and then adding Clay to say that this is a championship roster. It's a championship contending roster. Um, whether that's the Clippers, whether that's the Lakers, whether that's the Jazz, whether that's the Nets, whether that's um, right. the 76ers, I, I think the Bucks. I think the Warriors next year, if Clay is 80% of himself and is like 95% of himself on offense and 70% of himself on defense, I think that is, I, I, I think with some moves around the margin, I think it's fair to to hope for that. Now, I think the, the, the then question becomes, do you trade either Wiseman or the Minnesota theoretical pick for somebody that can help you now? And if that happens, then I think the Warriors are absolutely a championship contender next year. Agreed, agreed. All right, move it. Last last caller of the night, the legend Nana. What's up? What's up, guys? Hey. How you doing? I'm kind of mad at you guys that y'all just allowed that take to go through about <laughs> about trading our fourth our pick if we get it and um trading Ubri for Collins, who's gonna want a max by the end of the year that we can't afford. So I don't understand how that would even work. That wasn't my take. I was just, I was just entertaining the thing, but um, I right, yeah, keep going. That. You should have just cut that <laughs> mic off, throw him out. <laughs> but, uh, out of hand. Out of hand, yeah. You just don't 
like no like it doesn't make sense like you're asking for a ball handler you're asking for another um shooter around Steph somebody who could take some of the pressure off and then you say John Collins and like and get, and then trying to maximize how are you going to maximize you have to get rid of um Andrew Wiggins you don't like that. you don't like John Collins game though no I do like his game but what you're asking for and what you're going to have to do to get him on the team is is going to be crazy because you're going to have to get rid of Wiggins you can't afford a John Collins on the team but what you can't afford is if you get a fourth overall pick, he's going to be on a rookie contract for like four or five years. You get Ubre, I mean Ubre, for a very good deal um, this off season, and now you and you get Clay back, and now suddenly you get some of the small pieces on the second unit, and suddenly who's going to stop the team? Like they're really good. Like you see how they are right now. If you add just the two games that they should have won, we could easily have been twenty and thirteen right now to start the season with like the second hardest schedule. So I think a lot of people are just panicking for too too soon like you can't just panic and make a panic move all right so now let me ask you this you you think let's add clay thompson to this team next year okay you feel like they're in good position to compete for a title no not they, they, to compete yeah but to win like you can't i'm not going to be too confident so what, they, what, else? Okay. what else what else what else they need because I, I feel like we're we're all getting at the same point. It, it's yeah, like they're good, they, but but like none of us are content with you know kind of a cutesy what, second round team. What, what, we're all yeah. aiming for a title. Yeah. What I'm not content with is I'm trying to see Wiseman play more minutes so I can see how good he can really be. All the other rookies, you know, like top five, top six, are getting starters minutes, and we're judging Wiseman off of like 16, 17 minutes a game, and a lot of that with the second unit. So. I'm not really sure how great he could be without um, him playing with Steph more minutes, him playing with Draymond and Steph a lot more minutes, him trying to catch the ball better, him just improving his game because I don't think he's been allowed to improve on his game. As he was getting better, he got injured. And then now he's back, like, after a long injury and people are already, like, judging him. And, like, even today's game, like, you guys said he had a bad game. I thought he was fine for the most part of today's game. He's pretty good. I mean, like... 16 minutes. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, that bad I, I, second I, I, quarter. I, not I, bad I, I game. Thought was, I thought he was better than, than Melo. I, I, you had a few people up here saying Melo was better or he, was, um, <laughs> he wasn't good today. I'm like, what do you mean bad game? Like, if, if his bad game is the standard you're putting on Wiseman, is 7 for 10, 16 points in 16 minutes. I mean, that's, that's a crazy bad game for a rookie. Aaron, you can get after it. That was, that was on me. I said he had a bad second quarter. I didn't say he had a terrible game. But yeah, I no, I, I think um, look again. I think I think Wiseman. I agree with you. No, no, I think I agree with you. I think Wiseman was better than I think he. I, Frank, look, I just think he was better. So w- the way the way we look at basketball is often because um, because Mello was creating most of his own opportunities. That mm-hmm. is amazing to us, but. I think Wiseman on balance was better than Mello. Um, he was getting Mello was getting attacked over and over and over and over on defense. Um, yeah, and honestly, so I, if you I, yeah, I agree, if, I agree with you. I agree with you. If you watch this game Wiseman today, really good. yeah, I know you guys brought up the MVP. Uh, Draymond was definitely the MVP of the game, but. Honestly, if you watch the game, you can see what was going on the whole time. And it was because, first of all, I've never seen um, Kelly or um, these guys cut to the basket as much as they did today. That was amazing. Like, that reminded me of, like, 2016 Golden State. Like, oh, I mean, 2015, 2016, all that cutting into the lane. And 
you just see like Steph just kept taking three or four people with him around the damn three point line. And Green was just pump faking that way and always going into the inside. It was just cutting, cutting, cutting. So Steph's gravity was so evident today. Like, yeah, you're as, absolutely as right. Evan has been all, all year long. So, I mean, so and, people, and people usually think that gravity is only about you as a shooter. But, you know, we all hate when Steph uh, back, sets back picks for people. However, when he does, that brings two guys with him. Or when he's running around, it brings two guys with him. And, and Kelly Oubre had six dunks in the first quarter, and it's because of that. So, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And these guys played well. I, and I know a lot of people also are judging Wiggins because his offense hasn't been good. He should be he he should be driving the ball way more. I mean, he's not being as aggressive as he should. Get a little bit of Kelly's um confidence. It would be nice. But he's doing a lot of work on the defensive side. Like it's exhausting playing the kind of defense Wiggins is playing. And I believe right now, in this current moment, his defense is way more important to us than his offense. And that's why we're getting wins. So not ready to complain on the Wiggins side yet. And Minnesota fans would actually be not saying this is the Wiggins we got rid of because if you guys seen Wiggins in Minnesota, the guy not only was a bad defender, was a liability on defense. You couldn't even keep him. <laughs> like, he would piss. Like, you would have to bench him because he was that bad. A liability. with And, and Trey Young or those guys being a liability on defense, it's, it's normal because they're tiny. But Kel, uh, Andrew Wiggins being a liability at six foot eight, uh, it was just... It was just something you couldn't wrap your head head around because games were lost in Minnesota not because they didn't have enough offense. It was because they had no defense. So if Andrew had this defense he has in Minnesota, they were not trading that deal for him. Believe me, or getting that, and we would not get that first round pick whether you like it or not. Because we got him because of his liability on defense and his 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 inability to be aggressive on offense. And, and by the way, that's where we should give the Warriors credit, right? Like they absolutely. Um, that I think this is where the Warriors are their best. Absolutely. Like he, he's a player who is in a bad situation. He probably checked out on them. He's mm-hmm. clearly more talented than what he showed in Minnesota. And in Golden State, like is he a max player? Probably not. But like he's been significantly better than kind of the guy who was. I don't want to say a punchline, but like kind of like the reputation he had there. So that's the, I, that's another case for where the Warriors have done really well. They're really good at finding these guys, or not, not even finding, but yeah, the, putting the guys, putting guys, yeah. putting guys who are in bad situations, who are talented to succeed. Like Kelly Oubre is actually probably another example of that, where he's bounced around the league. He's he's been fine. He has he hasn't really thrived anywhere either. Yeah, and he's now young he's still, yeah, they're the same age though. Him and uh, him and uh, Wiggins are pretty much the same age. Yeah. So, well, you know, she's she's right. Andrew Wiggins was the single worst defensive player in the history of the NBA, statistically, until he came to the Warriors. Um. So yeah, I mean, she's she she's absolutely right. It's, yeah, it's a, and I give I give Steve credit for that, but also Steve today. I don't know why nobody criticized him for his crucial mistake. Oh, first, why does he play Pascal with Wiseman? I don't, I don't like that lineup. That's a disgusting lineup. That should never be a lineup where those two play together. And two, I don't know why he benched Wiseman early in the fourth quarter. Like we had no offense after that. So I think till Steph and Green came back. So in. this is so this is an interesting thing because I think that um, Wiseman, his, excuse me, uh, Pascal, his success has mostly been when. 
he was playing, you know, due to necessity, he was playing small ball five. And what that meant was he had a quickness advantage and sometimes a strength advantage of against um, all these backup fives. And that he was killing, killing these backup fives because he could just face up on them, take them against the dribble. However, if he is going to fit with the Warriors long term, it has to be at four because of Wiseman, because of Looney, because Draymond's going to play some minutes at five. So he has yeah. to play minutes. Like if he can't play minutes at back of four, then he can't play. So and I, and I don't blame Steve for for experimenting with lineups to get him there because like ultimately you're right. He's just a gimmick player if he's a small ball five at six six. So yeah, it's more important for him to figure out. Like even if it's frustrating to watch some of the matchups, like it's worth exploring. Yeah, and I, and I think they need to go back. I don't know why JTA is not a full roster spot right now. He was essential to this team, and I believe they need to run that small small ball five, especially to close out games. Like if you need a quick run, that small ball is really amazing, and they play really good defense. And I believe teams will have a, a hard time trying to guard that small ball. So JTA got to be in the starting lineup again. Quickly run with it. Use him like an Andre Godala when Clay comes back. It would be a really good set. I agree with you. All right, Nana, we're going to leave it here. And by the way, by the, by the, by the way I'm, I, think it's, I think it's pretty apparent that JTA is going to be uh, – he's going to get converted from a two-way. Once his his his, uh, his days run out, once his games run out, and the Warriors are going to need him in the playoffs so so he can play on the, the playoff roster, the Warriors are going to convert him to a real contract. I agree with you. All right, we're leaving it there. JTA, real roster. Warriors back 3-0, finally. First three-game right. winning the season. Appreciate all of you. Everyone, thanks for checking in, guys.